Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Okay, let's do it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> How excited I'm excited. Are you? Um, uh, listeners, I'm here at a remote setup. Um, I have a giant picture of Christian Petrarca behind me on the wall. He is very handsome. He's probably my exact type. Um, so he's here blessing us all. Yeah, no, <laughs> if I looked like Christian Petrarca, a lot of my problems would be solved. Um, no, my, uh, yeah, my exact type. So he's, he's looking over us tonight, blessing this podcast. Um, and Dom, you were just saying, maybe you've got some exciting news. Do you want to share that now? Yeah, I will. I can't give too much of the details away because there might be people listening. Okay. But uh, I mean, we can talk wedding. about it later. Ooh. No, no, it's a wedding thing. Okay. But I just locked in a very special guest surprise for my fiancé, I guess. He'll be my husband by that time. I can't believe it. You've but got it. We've got some special guests flying up, Kate, and you're going to be my little secret buddy. Oh, He's I can't gonna wait. Help. He's going to help me with the... The setting up of it, but I um, will coordinate. No problem. Yeah. Anyway, Woo! so excited. I got the I got the quotes today. I booked it in. It's my like. I wanted to do something special and a surprise for the wedding, and that's so good. Yeah, so I love it. Very pumped. Unreal. Anyway. Okay. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dom. <laughs> How do you do? I do pretty good. I'm coming off the back of. A week of being really, really sick. I'm, oh, God. I've been in a bit of a rut the past two, three months because of house hunting and not house yeah. buying and and not knowing where I'm going to live. But I think <laughs> I'm about to come out the other end and I'm starting to see the light. So, All right. You are currently Ace Ventura coming out of the rhino's arse. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly like that. This is a classy pod, folks. Yeah. Wait, don't. If you know, you know. (laughs) Sorry, just really quickly. Are you telling a story tonight? Yes, I am. Because I just had the most stressful 10 seconds of going, I haven't written shit. I've I've just been cruising into this just like, oh, I can't wait to listen to a story tonight. Um, That's good. I got you covered. But we've got to do a little bit of... Love it. That's all I had. That was cute. That was very dory. It's very cute. It was a bit. I love to sweep. When you want to sweep, you got to. That was beautiful. Thank you, everyone. Well, we'll make it short and sweet, folks. Um, As always, please go follow us on all of our socials. We're on TikToks and Instagrams and YouTubes. It's true. YouTube is going crazy, Kate. YouTube? It's just, I don't know why, but all of a sudden people are wanting to watch us instead of listen to us, which I'm fine with. Okay. I'm okay with that. I mean, look at us. Yeah. Hot tamales. (laughs) Stunning. So <laughs> it's all at shitten.bricks.podcast, folks. And while you're on the interwebs looking us up or on your phone, you should totally become one of our brickies on Patreon. Yeah. Because we release extra episodes every single week that are hilarious, full of facts, full of fun, and they're additions to the, the main story. And you're just, you're missing out on half the fun. So You are. Get on it. Get in it, get on it, get, get on around it, get it. in it, get around it, get it up ya, get it on ya. Get it Do up it. ya. Yeah. Get it up ya. Real easy. Again, guess what? It's called shitten.bricks.podcast. You can find us. It's so easy. Um, so easy. Also, I should mention the fact that we're all about ratings and reviews this year. So if you have time, just give us that little rating or review, those five stars. It makes a huge difference to us. I know there's a lot of people that listen that don't do it. So come on, you can do it. 
Please. Get it together. Come on, put your ass into it. Come on, do it. Get your back into it. Do it. Do it good. Lick. Yep. Just like you should. <laughs> my neck. My, my back. Lick my. Yep. Um, also, we're part of Hello. the Boopod Network. We are. Which is amazing. Uh, we're not going to feature any podcasts this time just because we've just gone through them and it's it's there's so many of them but we have our special halloween coming up um this is halloween this is halloween can i sing that for 40 minutes and have that be our pod i don't know any of the other words you're just going to cop that over and over but still it'll be great kate's feeling musical tonight so musical i had just had i've actually can i tell you i've just come off the back of uh, four o'clock uh, therapy session with Elizabeth, and then I walked the dogs in the sunshine, fed them, got my stuff sorted, put the dishwasher on. I'm just feeling absolutely invigorated. Ooh. So you are going to cop a lot of musicals tonight. That's okay because it's poignant for our story. Yes. And last but not least, Kate and I, we still need to have a chat about this, Kate, and just find out the finer details. But We do. We are working on some evolution of shit and bricks podcast so there's some new stuff coming down the pipeline folks yeah so uh be wary of that coming and also we're about to hit our 100th episode which we are is a pretty big deal too so anyway that's enough of me rambling we're a minute over our deadline of five minutes kate Uh oh we gotta get into the story we gotta go we gotta do it okay let's do it take a deep breath (gasps) so this week it's my turn to speak um thank god because kate's not prepared i got nothing (laughs) no we have never missed just almost a hundred episodes a we've never missed an episode for an entire hundred weeks correct and we've always alternated or been doing our series of stories that's a fucking that's pretty amazing pretty cool considering that we're you know we we are both also doing this as a hobby so yeah. it is it's a labor of love and we've done it well in my opinion my humble opinion really proud of us but yeah today's episode the theme and i'm going back to the old school kate I've yes got a fear for you but this has all been inspired by one of our avid listeners sam again coming in with the goods I'm so impressed. We asked folks to write into us and let us know what they want us to do. And Kate, you started us on this great Australiana sort of binge. Yep. And I'm just continuing it. And Sam's just given us the best, best story to do. And I love it. And it's it's actually something that, again, she's got a like a personal family connection and history to, which I just think is wild. I this is so good this is yeah this makes it definitely more interesting gives another layer okay so let me just start off with i'm not going to tell you what the story's about yet i'm going to give you some hints and you can find out kate if you had to guess what is piraticophobia a fear of piraticophobia piraticophobia is it piraticophobia yeah is it it's pirates is it pirates you're close. Okay. Very close. It is from the Latin term piratica, which means piracy. Now, by the way, folks, the, the, the fucking source I've got for this is of questionable. So I love it. This is either serious or is totally pulling my leg back. I'm here for it. Did, is this, so is this like last it. week when um, I threw everybody right off when I was talking about catfish and then I started talking yeah. about catfish? Because even Chelsea said to me, she threw me the idea of doing catfish. And I started talking about the fish and she was like, oh, that's not what I meant. And then it took her a hot minute to be like, oh, no, no, no. She's going to talk about catfish, like the digi ones. But did you get these facts from the same websites that I got the facts about catfish from? Because they're this great. Phobia, phobia dot fandom. <laughs> fandom. Just, they're the yeah, fans of phobias. Exactly. It's fucked up. Um, so bear with us, folks, whether this is legit or not, or someone's gotten super creative, but I'm going to pay it because it's. I funny. like it. Piraticophobia is the fear of anti-piracy and or error screens. Oh, what? (laughs) I I love this. Okay, okay, okay. It may be caused by seeing too much disturbing anti-piracy videos on YouTube 
or when encountering an anti-piracy screen, sufferers may scream, sweat, have an increased heart rate, rapidly breathe and even close their eyes. Are you kidding? (laughs) Now, Dominic, I hope, I for one hope that you please discuss the you wouldn't steal a car ad from (laughs) Australian media. Are you going to share about that? When we when 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 we were growing up, you would get a um, uh, go to Blockbuster, and this ad would be on repeat, and it was you know very serious, and it was just like you know almost like police kind of effects with like blue and white, and it was very nineties, early two thousands. It's like you wouldn't steal a car, you wouldn't steal money. Why would you pirate a video? And yeah, yeah it's like. <laughs> All of our generation Hectic. grew up going, yeah. you wouldn't steal you would a car, steal a car. would you? <laughs> so why would you see? And did anybody else get irrationally concerned about the FBI warnings yeah, at the, the beginning FBI of DVDs? Warnings. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Because that was something particularly for me as a um, budding educator and teaching media. And so I put that up in it and I would re- sometimes I would read it and it's like, you know, you can't show this to more than like 20 people. Or so, and I'd be like, one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the classroom. And I was like, where's the FBI here in Australia that are going to come yeah. in and go, there's 21 people in here, you're nicked. <laughs> and I would go to prison. I think this is very much a generational joke, which is why I had to pay it. But Love it. Yeah. So mild sufferers of this phobia may simply avoid looking at anti-piracy screens. Mid-sufferers will avoid pirating media. Oh. While severe sufferers will not play video games, sleep with the light off, and ev- and even avoid looking at text. <laughs> I 100% believe this, that there's people out there that do this. There yeah. is a lid for every pot. There is a lid for every pot. And that is fact. I just love how it wraps this up so nicely. It says, sadly, oh. there is no cure for this phobia. <gasps> no. However, it can be kind of treated while thinking about positive thoughts. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Just oh don't be God. worried. Don't be worried. You don't have depression. You just like you just need to not be so worried about things. Oh, anxiety. Who cured? <laughs> cured. Thank you. I got oh. to do another DAS forty two tonight, which for those of you mental health fiends is a <laughs> depression and stress scale, and you answer forty two questions from a scale of one to four, and then they put you in categories. Mine have reduced, thank thankfully, but it's so funny because you're almost just like, oh man, I was almost at severe. I'm only moderate. Oh God, I was one point away from severe. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> you Kate, failed no the sympathy. Test. No sympathy. <laughs> no medication for you. Just feel better. The privilege okay. that you have. <laughs> oh, no, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is my fear. It gives you a little bit of a snippet. In I was going to go to one of two ways. Actually, go into like real life story of the rings, or the ring, which oh, scary as fuck. Uh huh. Or that's not the Australian story that Sam gave me and the Australiana thing. So I've gone down the piracy. Actual pirates are miharis. Oh yes, amazing. I love it. Another little, you know, um, drive-by there of just like we're going to talk about this, but then we're doing this. Boom. Yeah. But gotcha. this has been very eye-opening to me, Kate. So mm-hmm. first question I've got for you, what do you think is, you know, when someone from overseas asks you, yeah. what's the most consistent, well-known, most glorious sort of first contact story of Europeans colonizing or coming to Australia, like discovering it? What story comes to your mind? Like, you know, it's not a Like person? Like Captain Cook? Yeah. Captain Cook. Person coming into where? Coming into Sydney Harbour? Yeah, Botany Bay. Bay. Yeah, just turning up and then just being like, what are you people doing here? This is our joint. And they're like, (laughs) well, we've actually lived here. For hundreds of years, um, and thousands this is even. yeah, thousands of years, thousands and thousands Tens of, of years. thousands. <laughs> and uh, what are you doing here? Um, also, you're wearing a very funny hat. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the one that pops into my mind. So Izzy Izzard, or I think she now goes by she, her, and it's Susie Izzard or okay. Suze, Suze Izzard. Izzy yep. Izzard, back in the day when it was Izzy, when they went by Izzy Izzard, the comedian. 
um, did a skit on all of like UK, like you know, the British Empire. They didn't actually they sold the biggest lie, or they took over the world, or expanded their empire simply by using flags. They just rocked up to a place and put a fucking flag there. Imagine if like, you could do that. That's all you got to do. Imagine just, those little cocktail flags, flags those that, that you get, and imagine yeah. if you made them custom made for you and then you went out and you were just like, oh, I fancy that person, and you just went over and you just popped that in their little breast pocket or their dress or their cleave or their back yeah, of their jeans, and they go, you, you belong to me now. You're mine. That's essentially Consider yourself colonised, baby. <laughs> yeah. All with a flag. Yeah. But Kate, to yeah. back to my story. That's the that's the glorious story, or you know, that's what we think of, right? We think mm-hmm. that as first contact. Well, we've been fed a lie, Kate. What? You're joking. Absolute bullshit. And I'm what? here to bust the story wide open. Thank folks. God. Thank God somebody is here to do it because it has been too long that we've been lied. To. The wool has been thoroughly pulled over our eyeballs. Yeah. And it's time now for us to de shed, de shed the myth. Face the truth. Face the, the truth. hard, cold truth. Call me Clark oh. Kent, the Daily Planet, folks. Daily Planet. That's you. I always thought so. So I've got the real story. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And I'm so thrilled that you're the first person to ever talk about this too. That's the vibe I'm getting is that you've discovered it through your investigative journalism and no one's ever heard of it. The best part also is. (laughs) And then in addition to that, that we're going to be able to discuss it with, you know, our our, like breadth of understanding and knowledge. Um, and we've t- we take this podcast very seriously. We tend not yeah. to tell any jokes or laugh or have a good time. So this is the breaking news. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait, wait for our fucking YouTube troller <laughs> to come for me. I live. Okay, i got to get it. through it because we're okay. 15 minutes in. Oh, shit. We're having so, a good time though. We are. Hi, we Dom. Are. But this is the story <laughs> of the ship named Batavia. Hi. Now, Batavia was a ship of the Dutch East India Trading Company. Mm-hmm. It was built in Amsterdam in 1628 as the flagship of one of three annual fleets of company ships and sailed that year on her maiden voyage mm-hmm. for Batavia, hence the name, which is capital of the Dutch East Indies. Now, on the 4th of June 1629, Batavia was wrecked on the Hortman Albrahos, a chain of small islands off the western coast of Australia. (gasps) Australia. Yeah, Australia, mate. Okay, now associated today with one of the worst horror stories in maritime history, Batavia has been the subject of numerous published histories, books, and the earliest dating is from 1647. Now, due to its unique place in the history of European contact with Australia, the story of Batavia is sometimes offered as an alternative founding narrative to the landing of British convicts in Sydney, the story you just mentioned, Kate. Yes. Of the 47 or so VOC, which is Dutch East India Trading Company, I'm just mm-hmm. much easier for me to see VOC, So of the 47 or so VOC wrecks which have been located and identified, Batavia is the only early 17th century example from which the remaining hull components have been retrieved, conserved, and subject to detailed study. Many Batavia artifacts, including the ship's stern and skeletal remains from the massacre, hint, hint, you know, nudge, nudge, there was Mm -hmm. a massacre, are now housed at the shipwreck galleries in Fremantle, Western Australia, while a replica of the ship is moored as a museum ship in Lalstad in the Netherlands. Okay. Mic drop. Boop. <laughs> what do you think about that, Kate? A um, glorious story. It is a little bit. I'll be honest. It's not as jazzy. It doesn't have the razzle-dazzle. No, absolutely okay. not. Now, maiden voyage. Let's get to the horror that, that that is. Like, it's quite an interesting story. And remember, 1629, the fact that we've yep. got this much information and detail about it is really quite Well, cool. you were on and the ground. Was, you were there. You there. know, you were doing the investigating. You were, the, you were absolutely elbows deep in this maritime disaster. You so betcha. I cannot wait. You I betcha. Oh, <laughs> Watched it all from the beach. 
Oh, Jose, can I have another pina colada? They're just coming into a dock. Oh, no, they're going to crash. I'll take a two oh. pina coladas. I'm not <laughs> sure why you sounded like Prue and Trude from Kathy and Kim whilst you were having pina coladas doing your investigative journalism, but well done. I probably would. <laughs> okay, maiden voyage. Now, on the 29th of October, 1628, the newly built Batavia, commissioned by the VOC, sailed from Texel in the Netherlands for the Dutch East Indies. It was going to obtain spices, Kate, so that's yeah. mainly what it was. Yeah, it's do. spicy. Got to get some spices. Now, their orders were to use the Brouwer route, and like all ships of the VOC company, that was like one of the main tr- Trade tried, routes. true, yeah. contested, safe as shit, let's do it, you know, no wrecks along the way, we should be good. Yeah, you should be cool. Now, this involves sailing to the south of a direct course to Jakarta, but without any way of measuring longitude, this is 1629, folks, it was Mm. difficult to judge when to make the turn north. (laughs) I don't understand maritime uh, laws or slash uh, steering boats. I don't get boats. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand boats. I don't want a boat. I'll go on a boat but I'm not going on a cruise. Um, I just think it's hilarious how back in 1629 where they haven't discovered half of the planet that they're like, now this ocean looks exactly the same. Should we turn right now or left? It's maps, it's baby. It's mathematics. It's yeah. maps, mathematics. It's the stars. Ge- geography. It's really quite cool. It's co- had- yeah, it is. It's very cool. I just, I don't, it's, yeah, it's amazing. I'm glad other it's people have done you. it. It's just not for me. <laughs> I've had many an argument with people, drunk arguments at night, point, yeah. trying to teach people where, you know, the Southern Cross, cross is, it points yeah. south, where the Big Dipper is, all these constellations and how they would navigate via this and the moon and the da da da. Anyway, yeah, I yeah. find it really fascinating. But yeah. Anyway, well, they wouldn't but, have been anywhere near the Southern Cross at that point, right? Is that the Northern Hemisphere? Yes, they they're in the, yeah, they're coming in from the Netherlands okay. yep. and heading towards, towards Jakarta, Jakarta. Okay. but then they needed to turn north. Yep. In the late, if they went too late, they gave the risk of running aground on the coast of Australia. So it's, right. quite, yeah, it's quite dangerous. Yeah, it is. All right. Now, it sailed under commander and senior merchant Francesco Pelsart. Pels- Pel- I didn't know how to pronounce him. Pelsart? Pels... How's Spelling? P E L S A E R T. Pels. Sart? I would yeah, say Pelsart. maybe Sart, but that sounds yeah. a bit French. We'll say Pelsart. That's okay. Fine. And with Arian Jacobs serving as skipper. Now, Pelsart and Jacobs had previously encountered each other in Dutch Surat when Pelsart publicly dressed down Jacobs after he became drunk and insulted Pelsart in front of other merchants. So there was Uh-oh. a bit of tension between the two. Animosity existed between the two men after this incident, so it's just good to keep that in mind. And also on board was the junior merchant Geronimus Cornelius. Ooh. He was 30 years old, and he was a bankrupt apothecary from Harlem who was fleeing the Netherlands in fear of arrest because of his heretical beliefs associated with the painter Jonas van der Beek. So it's, it sounds like one of those. It's Hercule so juicy. Poirot, it does. <laughs> like mystery. It's like who's Death on the Death on ship? the Nile. Yeah, who's on the sh- Who are the yeah. it people on the ship? The bitch on Batavia. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. The bitch on Batavia. I love that. Yeah. Now, Spoilers, folks, there Uh-oh. was a mutiny plot. <gasps> so, You're kidding. According to Pelsart's account, Jacobs and Cornelius received a plan. No, not received, conceived. Cornelius. Geronimo Cornelius or Cornelius Geronimo? I don't think his name was Geronimo, was it? Did was I it? say that? Gy Norman? No. No, Geronimus. Geronimus. <laughs> <laughs> that's a name. I, like. I love that name. That would be, Geronimus. that's going to be my stripper name for Geronimus. sure. Geronimus. Geronimus Cornelius. 
Just yeah. one one. No, just Geronimus. Geronimus. Just Geronimus? Okay. Yeah. Now GG. GG for sure. GG. Yeah. <laughs> but Jacobs and Cornelius's, they conceived a plan to take the ship during the voyage, which okay. would allow them to start a whole new life somewhere else. Yeah. Using the huge supply of trade, gold and silver on board. So yeah, it's they- a trade ship. So obviously in order to get the spices, they needed to have money to buy the spices. So yeah. they had a bunch of silver and gold. Yeah. After leaving the Cape of Good Hope, so think of it, Kate, you've got, if you're any good at geography. No, please don't ask me this. The Netherlands up in the Northern Hemisphere, looks smack dab in the middle of Europe. Okay. It's got to come all the way down and go all the way down the bottom Mm -hmm. of. Like past Italy and shit. Yeah, way, way, way. We go all the way south, all the way to the bottom of the planet, come around the Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. So around the bo- very bottom tip. Right. And then it's come back up to Australia or towards Jakarta. But okay. Yeah. It's a dumb I'm thing. just seeing blobs in yeah. my mind, but I trust you. I think it's got to start up here. It's got to come all the way down here and then back up. And then back up again. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you. Now, after leaving the Cape of Good Hope, which is a natural stop, it's the southernmost tip. Um, and it's most it's terrible weather, but most most boats would stop there. Okay. Um, they would stop for supplies, and Jacobs is alleged by Pelsart to have deliberately steered the ship off course and away from the rest of the fleet. Now, Jacobs and Cornelius had a, a, already gathered a small group of men around them and arranged an incident from which the mutiny was to ensue. Mm-hmm. Now, this involved sexually assaulting a prominent young female passenger named Loretta Jans in order to provoke Pelzat into disciplining the crew. They hoped to paint his discipline as unfair and recruit more members out of sympathy. However, the woman was able to, to identify her attackers. Oh. And, you know, it kind of... That's good, but... Didn't quite have yeah, the Still the awful that she had to go through that, but, yeah. yeah. Awful she had to go through it yeah. and didn't... Pay, Pay off the way that they thought. That they wanted anyway. Sexual assault's not funny, folks. Yeah. Now, on the 4th of June, 1629, Batavia struck Morning Reef near Beacon Island, which is part of the Hootman Albrahos, off the western coast of Australia. Australia. Now, this is Western Australia, folks. Far, far edge. Think of it as like in the middle, sort of in between the tip in the bottom of Australia on the West yeah, Coast, on the West Coast so yeah. way above Perth. Um, of the 322 aboard, most of the passengers and crew managed to get ashore, although 40 people did drown. The survivors, including all the women and children, were then transferred to nearby islands in the ship's longboat and yawl. Now, folks, go check out our socials, but... I think it comes out on Sunday, whatever the day is, but you'll be able to see, I've got a sort of an aerial shot of these islands. It's not like, it's not They're not like big islands, are they? No, no, no. No, They're just like like little sandbanks. Little sandbanks above the ocean. It's like a nice little moon crescent shaped selection of these shitty little fucking nothing islands. Okay. They ain't big trees. It's got barely some shrubbery. It's not, you know, just ain't. It's not a paradise. It's not paradise, that's yeah. for sure. Now, initial survey of the islands found no fresh water and only limited food. There were sea lions and birds. Um, now, sea lions are scary that's... as fucking Good luck. They're crazy. I mean, probably good, good source of... Do you know what just makes me think of sea lions? This is horrendous, but it's one of the... Sorry. <laughs> It's one of the David Attenborough documentaries where he's mm. talking about the world ending and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. And it's where these sea lions are, and these bulls, like they're humongous, but it's because where they're living, the ice caps are melting yeah. and they're all on this huge sort of cliff face. And there's so many of them because they're just trying to get out of the ocean so that they can regenerate. And then it starts to crumble, this this ice cap this yeah where they are and they just start to tumble down and it's fucking horrible but they are very scary um in a situation where they're not you know all crushing each other because of global warming um so birds 
sea lions. Sea lions and birds. And yeah. Pelsat realized that the dire, situa- the, the dire situation and he decided to search for water on the mainland. So a group consisting of Jacobs, Pelsat, the senior officers, and a few crew members and some passengers left the wreck site in a 9-meter, 30-foot mm-hmm. long boat in search of drinking water. Now, after an unsuccessful search for water on the mainland, they left the other survivors and headed north in a danger-fraught voyage to the city of Batavia, which is the Dutch East Indies. That's the ship's namesake, to seek rescue. So main ships crash. They're like, fuck, we can't find water. We can't really, you know, there's not much, there's nothing we can do. We're not going to be able to survive here. The best bet we have is to go get to Batavia and get help to come and collect all the people. <clears throat> Ugh, horrible. Now, en route, the crew made further forays onto the mainland in search of fresh water. Now, in his journal, Pelsart stated that on the 15th of June, 1629, they sailed through a channel between a reef and the coast, finding an opening around midday at a latitude guessed to be about 23 degrees south where they were able to land and water was found. Now, the group spent the night on land and Pelsart commented on the vast number of termite mounds in the vicinity of the pl- and the plague of flies that afflicted them. I'm sure anyone in Western I, Australia. The plague of flies is real. Is, is <laughs> Actually, real why real. am I saying that like I've been there? Never been to Western Australia in my life. But I do know a plague you sold of flies. Me. I did, didn't I? I was like, oh, my God. I've been hounded by them every single summer when I go there and visit. I've, yeah. Um, no, I've never been. Yeah, well, this is June as well. So this is the first month of winter. So it's, I mean, Western Australia is a whole nother, it's a whole nother <laughs> country, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And it would be very, it's st- it would still be very warm up there. But yeah, just interesting that that's the, the things that they were commenting on. Um, Pelsat stated that they continued north with the intention of finding the River of Jacob Remensons, which was first identified in 1622, but owing to the wind were unable to land. Now, Drake Brockman has suggested that this location is to be identified with Yardy Creek. So if anyone is from that area in Western Australia, we're talking about Yardy Creek. Yardy, yardy. Now, it wasn't until the longboat reached the island of Nusa Kambangan in the Dutch East Indies that, the, that Pelsat and the others found more water. The journey took 33 days Ooh. with everyone surviving somehow. Yeah, that's too and many days. It's too many days to be just hoping that you find bloody water. That's yeah, ridiculous. exactly. Now, after their arrival in Batavia, the boat swain, Jane Everts, was arrested and executed for negligence and outrageous behaviour before the loss of the ship, and he was suspected to have been involved. Jacobs was also arrested for negligence, although his culpability in the potential mutiny was not guessed by Pelsart. Now, Governor-General Jan Pietersoon immediately gave Pelsat command of the ship Sardom to rescue the other survivors. Now, remember, it's only a small number of, you know, of the people actually got away and we're trying to get to Batavia. We've still got all the folks back in the bloody shawls. <laughs> Just hang out like, please come back for us. Please. Gnaw- gnawing on seagulls. <laughs> not good. Like, no. not good at all. Yeah, exactly. Now, he wanted to, well, it, just just the Governor General, Don't we don't like him too much just because he obviously gave Pelsat command of a ship to go rescue the other survivors, but he also made it very clear that he wanted to attempt the salvage of the riches and everything. Of course, which makes sense because they're going to have a lot of shit on there as it's a trade yeah. ship, they're buying stuff, all gold, the silver, silver all gold. the yeah. gear. Yeah. Now, within a month, Pelsat reached the general area where the shipwreck had occurred, but it took another month of searching to locate the islands again. So three months, folks. We're almost up to three months to get back to where the people were left. This is giving me so much anxiety. (laughs) Right? I hate that. Obviously a different time, but still, holy moly. Yeah, three months. Three months eating seagulls. I wish I could say it was pleasant. No. Nah. 
Now, he finally arrived at the site only to discover that a bloody massacre had taken place among the survivors, reducing their numbers by at least a hundred. It was full-blown Lord of the Flies type thing. Kate? They just want to cannibalise that shit. All right. Murders. Let's get to the murders. The murder. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of Big Ange from Real Housewives of Jersey. Yeah. I met this new guy, just got out of prison for murder. Murder. And then her son or whoever is like, (laughs) the way that he says it, well, that doesn't make him a bad guy, though, that he did that. (laughs) He's buying me a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me you're familiar with this meme. Oh, he's buying me a puppy. People don't realise how comical they are sometimes. Oh. He just, just got out of prison for murder. Well, that don't make him a bad guy, though, that he did that. It's just one of my favourite things ever. Oh, every time it comes across my feed, I will watch it four or five times. I just can't. Too good. Too good. Sorry. It's, to they, the they're murders. They're like yeah. characters. Uh, uh, correct. Of p- actual people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the murders. Sorry, that was a levity into a devity. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> devastation. We're back at our friend Geronimus. We are Cornelius's devity. Yeah, let's let's not yeah forget about Geronimus now. Yeah, he was one of the few men who stayed on Batavia to pillage and steal. He was he was actually quite happy to be left behind. While cool. Jacobs and Pelsa and all the other senior people, I don't know why they didn't think to leave someone senior there, but anyway, you live, you learn. <laughs> you live, you learn. Like, that's all we've got to say about that. Live, you live, laugh, you laugh, learn. Folks. Live, laugh, laugh. Live, laugh, he was one of the few who survived in the final breakup of the ship and made it to Beacon Island after floating for two whole days. So it wasn't just like a, oh, whoopsie, we ran aground on a nice little collection of islands. Oh, oh whoop cool. do we'll whoops. just climb we'll just, over we'll the hang edge. out here, yeah. Yeah, it's like, shit, the boat's all the way over there. I'm going to float for a couple of days, land on some <laughs> shoals. Let's see what we can do. Now, neither sailor nor soldier... Cornelius was elected to be in charge of the survivors due to his senior rank in the Dutch East India Company. Now, he made plans to hijack any rescue ship that might return and use the vessel to seek another safe haven. Cornelius made far-fetched <laughs> plans to start a new kingdom using the gold Ooh. and silver from the wreck. However, to carry out his plan, he first needed to eliminate possible opponents. Mm. All right, dude, come your farm, <laughs> kingdom. Good on you, mate. Come on, chill and relax about the opponents. Yeah. yeah right. just, just chill. Breathe. Just chill, just Dal. Breathe. Yeah. Now, Cornelius' first deliberate act was to have all weapons and food supplies commandeered and placed under his control. Look. Let's be non-judgmental here. We'll rate him out of like one to ten of, you know, being worthy of his being own kingdom. A kingdom man. Yeah. Not a bad first step. Get the get the weapons, get the mm-hmm. food. It's pretty Put it all in one in two spots. Weapons here, food there. Yeah. Now he also tricked a party of cabin boys, men and women, about forty-five in number, into believing that water could be found on Seals Island, or otherwise known as Long Island. Upon landing here, the group found no water and Cornelius was not expecting them to survive. So I'm going to assume he picked this group of people that were potential opponents mm. and sent them off to find Die. water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He then moved a group of soldiers led by Weeb Hayes to nearby West Wallaby Island, which mm. is located roughly 8.7 kilometres to the northwest, under the pretense of having them search for water as well. Now, they were told to send smoke signals when they found water and they would then be rescued. Now, convinced that they would be unsuccessful, he then left them there to die, taking complete control of the remaining survivors. Wow. Okay. Like, rather sadistic. I've got it to is. Give, I mean, you've got I to give him credit where credit's due, though. The plan is, it's not a bad plan. 
he's getting rid of his opponents. He's sending yep. them off for what? His supposed opponents. How does he know? I doubt he's even sat down and had a conversation with these people. True. Maybe they've got hearts of gold. But he, how's he to know? Mm-hmm. Cornelius is, is not knowing. No. Now, murder was his inevitable next step. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, it makes have sense. Gone that way. <laughs> Geronimus isn't doing Geronimus! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, another smart move. Cornelius never committed any of the murders himself. Perfect. Although he tried and failed to poison a baby <laughs> who, who eventually. <laughs> How do you fail to poison a baby? The baby. That's hilarious. Sorry, hope it's not funny that he tried to poison a baby. No. Obviously, folks, please put your keyboards down. I mean, of anything, it's basically just like, you know, <laughs> it's Mr. Burns and Smithers. He got yeah. shot by Maggie. Like, come on. Couldn't pick an easier target. But I, look, it's, it's a horrible thing. Mm. And what was even more horrible is that the baby was ended up being strangled. Like, oh, it's fuck. Just, okay. It's <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> But the way he did all this is he instead he coerced others into doing it for him. Like this guy is okay. worthy almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. He's the first usually, Manson. Yeah. Now, usually under the pretense he did this, that the victim had committed a crime such as theft. So he told his other cronies that these people were thieving and stealing. Now, Cornelius and his henchmen had originally murdered to save themselves, but eventually they began to kill for pleasure or just out of habit, like, you know, typical sort of thing here where, and again, these people are under different sorts of pressures than just your average Joe Blow, but still. Now, the murders were said to have included cutting people's throats at night and taking others out to drown on makeshift rafts. The sick and the infirm were often targeted as well. Makes sense. Now, Cornelius is. Yeah, exactly. Now, Cornelius's plan to reduce the island's population to around 45 so so that their supplies would last as long as possible. He also feared that many of the survivors remained loyal to the company. And in total, Cornelius's followers murdered at least 110 men, women, and children. A small number of women were kept as sex slaves. Surprise, surprise. Mm. And among them was that original woman, Jans, who was reserved for Cornelius's himself. Oh, grow up. What a disgusting piece of shit. Okay, rescue. Now, although Cornelius's had left the soldiers led by Hayes to die, they had, in fact, found good sources of water and food on West Wallaby Island. Initially, they were unaware of the massacres taking place and sent pre-arranged smoke signals announcing their finds. However, they soon learned of the killings from survivors fleeing Beacon Island, and in response, the soldiers devised makeshift weapons from materials washed up from the wreck. They also set a watch so that they were ready for Cornelius's men and built a small fort out of limestone and coral blocks. If you are, can I just pause you real quick? Sure. If you're making weapons from uh, stuff that's been washed up on shore, can you tell me what you're going to make? <clears throat> I don't know From why I made wreck. that sound so suspicious. From the wreck, you're making a weapon. Yeah. What are you going to make? Yeah, I, if there'd be wood or yep, any yep, metal wood. or things like that, yep. I'm sure they, they could come up with something. I mean, you personally, what are you going for? What would I? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, what okay. do you? No, what? that's right. Yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't questioning anything. that they're going to make a weapon. I mean, yeah. So I'm, I'm very club, much like, yeah, club. yeah. You want to cut? So something like with a decent heavy end on it. Yeah. Um, you know, lighter on the bottom, kind of baseball batish. And if you can get some nails, bang. Sure, nails are good. Yeah, put yourself a good mace. There you go. A yep. mace. Mace. Yeah, is good. mace. Come on, we're into this. Now, Cornelius is seized on the news of water on the other island as his own supply was dwindling and the continued survival of the soldiers threatened his own success. Yeah. He went with his men to try and to defeat the soldiers marooned on West Wallaby Island. However, the trained soldiers were by now much better fed than Cornelius's group and easily defeated them in several battles, eventually taking Cornelius hostage. His men, who escaped, regrouped, 
under soldier Wouter Luz and tried again, this time employing muskets to besiege Hayes's fort and almost defeating the soldiers. However, Hayes's men prevailed yet again, just as the ship Sardom arrived with Pelsat. A race to the rescue ship ensued. Kate, it came down to like the final moments. Now, a race to the rescue ship ensued between Cornelius's men and the soldiers. And Hayes reached the ship first and was able to present his side of the story to Pelsat. Now, after a short battle, the combined force captured all of Cornelius's group. Okay. Isn't it wild? Like, this is full on Pirates of the Caribbean happening. And they literally just, like, yeah, ran. Yeah. <laughs> it's a to get. foot race. Who's, who's the <laughs> Listen to my person? story. Listen. Just listen to me. Sir. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just wait. Just let me go. Yeah. Now, Pelsat decided to conduct a trial then and there on the islands because Sardom, the boat on the return voyage to Batavia, would have been overcrowded with both survivors and prisoners. Mm. Now, after a brief trial, the worst offenders were taken to Seal Island and executed. Cornelius's and several of his henchmen had both hands chopped off before being hanged. Done and dusted, folks. This is... This is life on the sea. No, that's it. No, no punches pulled. This is it. Yep. Now the other guy, Luz, who took up Cornelius's endeavor mm-hmm. when Cornelius was defeated the first time, and a cabin boy named Jan Pelgrim Dubai, who were considered only minor offenders, they were marooned on mainland Australia and were never heard of again. And any folks out there that are like into ghosts and things, you should totally. Oh, like, damn. Yeah. Look that up. Them. Oh, yeah. Now, this made them the first Europeans to have permanently lived on the Australian continent. Interesting, huh? Yes, of course. Oh, far out. Okay. Yeah. Which really does make sense to like a place of comedy. Yeah. Like <laughs> Wasn't a good start. It was only up from here, folks. Look, we, yeah, exactly. We're working on it. Now, if you want to know where exactly they were left marooned, this location is now thought to be the Whitkara Creek near Kalbari, Western Australia, though another suggestion is nearby Port Gregory. We're talking in the early 60s. Gregory. You know, 1700s, folks. So, you know, it's yep. in accuracy is not the thing. Now, the rest of Cornelius's henchmen were taken to Batavia for trial. Five further were hanged, while several others were flogged, keel-hauled, or dropped from the yardum on the later voyage back home. Cornelius's second-in-command, Jacob Petries, was broken on the wheel, the most severe punishment available Ooh. at the time. And Jacobs, despite being tortured, really... did not confess to his party. Sorry, Sorry I was just going to say, I just saw I saw a really good meme, which was just like when you're on the wheel or the rack or something. If you're yeah. on the rack or the wheel, there's got to be like a good 30 seconds where it feels really good. Mm. <laughs> like you're just like, oh. yes, daddy, please crack me. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Oh, I would agree with that. that would feel so good. You just, everything would align. Like for the first time in your life since you were an infant coming into the world, everything would align and then, of course, you'd be killed. But that 30 seconds, 10 seconds, one second would be bliss. Horrid, yeah, absolutely. Now, the most severe punishment, that was the most severe punishment available at the time. And despite all of that torture, he still did not confess to his part in plotting the mutiny and he escaped execution due to lack of evidence. Oh, so, well, that's pretty lucky because you know, they yeah. didn't, they weren't really evidence heavy back in there. <laughs> just like, yeah. well, it could go either way. It could yeah. be just because I feel like I it, feel you're like guilty it. or yeah. not. But yeah, yeah, you know, interesting. Mm. Now, what finally became of him is unknown. He might have died in prison in Batavia. And a board, a board of inquiry decided that Pelsat had exercised a lack of authority and was therefore partly responsible for what had happened. His financial assets were seized and he died within a year. So Pelsat didn't even, you know, wasn't all hunky-dory for him. No, it wasn't. Now, Hayes, 
was hailed a hero and promoted to sergeant, which increased his salary, while those who had been under his command were promoted to the rank of corporal. Of the original 332 people on board Batavia, only 122 made it to the port of Batavia. So, like, that's 200. <laughs> yeah. The, 200. Yeah, nah. No, yeah. no dice. Sardom, the boat, eventually sailed home with the most of the treasure previously carried on Batavia aboard. And of the 12 treasure chests that were originally on board, 10 were recovered and taken aboard Sardom. So what does that mean? There's treasure. There's treasure. They were going to get it. Let's get the treasure. Yeah. Okay. The worst of it's over, folks. So where's this wreck? I, I mentioned I, it at the start. You were there. You were boots on ground, babes. I, know, I don't know. Exactly. Pina colada, baby. <laughs> now, surveying the northwest coast of the Albrahos Islands of the British Admiralty in April 1840, so 200 years later, mm. Captain John Lort Stokes reported that the beams of a large vessel were discovered and he assumed it to be the Zeewick on the southwest point of an island, reminding them that, this, that since Zeewick's crew reported having seen a wreck of a ship on this part, there is little doubt that the remains were those of Batavia. Now, in the 1950s, historian Henrietta Drake Brockman argued from extensive archival research that the Batavia wreck must lie in the Wallaby group of islands. And the wreck was first sighted in 1963 by lobster fisherman David Johnson. DJ. DJ. Now, a systematic archaeological investigation was carried out in the 1970s. It's not even that long ago, Kate. It's not. And most of the excavation work was carried out over four years, starting in 1973. A large amount of the surviving hull was raised and conserved, and this is about 20 tonnes of timber. Like, it's not little. No. Really, if you're thinking about it. No. This and is a big – this is a trade ship. This is a lot yeah. of gear, a lot of ship, a photos, lot of stuff. Yeah. You can see. Look on our socials. Yeah. So, but that was, that on its own was only about 3.5% of the original ship's hull that mm -hmm. they lifted up. Other large items, including the port side stern timbers, cannons, and an anchor, a large selection of small items were excavated with, a many, with many pottery containers, weapons, cooking equipment, navigation items, including four astroblades, astrolabs, sorry. Added to this were various trade items carried as part of the ship's cargo. The excavation was carried out in challenging conditions with the swell coming in from the Indian Ocean preventing work being done on the 173 days of the 447 days spent on site. In 1972, the Dutch government transferred rights to Dutch shipwrecks in Australian waters to the Australian government. How wild is that? What? They just said, you can have them. Just don't worry about it. Just take them. No, not worry about it. Mm. And the excavated items are on display at the Western Australian Museum's various locations, though the majority of cannons and anchors have been left in situ. The wreck remains one of the premier diving sites on the West Australian coast. So if you do ever go to Western Australia, Kate, you should totes go check out. The gosh darn. Go diving. I'm going diving. I'm going diving. Right. Almost done. Let's get to the treasure. I wash up treasure. Now, Batavia carried a considerable amount of treasure. Each ship in the Batavia class carried an estimated 250,000 guilders in 12 wooden chests, each containing about 8,000 silver coins. That's a that's lot. That's a bit. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. This money was intended for the purchase of spices and other commodities in Java, which is mm -hmm. Indonesia. Yep. The bulk of these coins were silver produced by the individual Dutch states with the remainder being mostly made up of similar coins produced by German cities such as Hamburg. Hamburg. Yeah. And Pelsart was instructed to recover as much of the money as possible on his return to the Abrahos Islands using divers to try, if it is possible, to salvage all the money and the casket of jewels that before your departure was already saved on the small island. So, yeah, 
Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Recovery of the money was far from easy. Pelsat reported difficulty, difficulties in pulling up heavy chests. I mean, like, folks, oh. there's a huge chest of money. It's not like you can just go down and pick 8, it up. 8,000 silver coins, and each coin would be like however many grand. It would be yeah. freaking heavy. Yeah, it's super, super heavy, and it's not like they've got diving equipment and yeah. balloons and things. You're not going to swim down there and pick it up and pop it on your little jet ski. Now... He, yeah, he said there was lots of lots of troubles with it. He marked some of them with boys for later recovery, mm-hmm. which, oh, it's like crazy. Cool. Yeah, what an idiot. And on 9th of November, he recorded sending four money chests to the Sardom and, the th- and three the next day, but they'd abandoned further recovery work. So seven he recovered. That meant, you know, there's some leftovers. There's some there. By the 13th of November, Pelsat recorded that 10 money chests had been recovered. So he had 10 of the 12, which was about 80,000 coins, leaving two lost since there had been 12 loaded originally. One was jammed under a cannon and the other one had been broken open by Cornelius's men. But Tavia's treasure also included special items being carried by Pelsat for sale to the Mughal court in India, where he had intended to travel onto. There were four bags of jewels stated to be worth about 60,000 guilders and an early 4th century Roman cameo, as well as numerous other items either now displayed in Fremantle and Geraldton, Western Australia. So, last but not least... Oh. The Batavia ship replica was Ooh. built. There's some of the legacy. That was there was a full replica built from 1985 to 1995. They used the same materials and methods utilized in the early 17th century. Its design was based on contemporary accounts, recovered wreckage, and other contemporary ships such as the Vasa. After a number of commemorative voyages, the vessel is now moored as a museum ship in Lausted in the Netherlands. And I have seen it, Kate. It's really quite <gasps> That's cool. Now, last but not least, there's been lots and lots and lots of history books written about this. There's been lots of treasure books written about this. There's been a case file episode, true crime podcast case file. Everyone knows case file. There's been a, uh, a story on it there there's been like nine network has done specials on it like it's 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 actually supposedly really well known but what i find a really interesting case and yeah. it's going to come up in our socials is that this is a personal favorite story of russell crow and russell crow is dead set on making this a proper feature film Ooh. so, so you're saying this is not the first time you're breaking this story is that what you're trying to tell me? I'm if sorry. If you made okay. it this far, I've ruined this. <laughs> that would be How very cool, really though. Believe? Russell Crowe would be great in that directing it, being a part of it. That would be awesome. Absolutely. And that, folks, ah! is the most infamous pirate story in Australian Pirates. history. Pirates, baby. Thank you to Sam. Arr! Thanks, Sam. Yeah, Sam, you're so good. You're Boy. the best. Oh. Well done, Dominic. Well so done. That was a fun one. I always love it too where it's like this is the infamous story. I'm like, never heard of this in my life. Wow. <laughs> You'll never forget it now. I know. Very, very, very cool. Thank you it for had sharing. A bit of, it had a bit of like my first ever story from Cannibal Island. Yes. It had a, had a bit, bit of everything. Of lost at Sea stuff. Yeah, which we've done, of course. Yeah. It's a bit of everything. So. Which I think is partly the reason, folks, yeah, Dom and I are just discussing a bit format-wise where we're headed. We are very, very excited about where we're headed. Um, But I have a sneaking suspicion that, in fact, in my head, that's what I would like to do, Um, that that next week I'm going to do a – maybe start some sort of uh, revisiting of some of the stories that we've done in the past because um, we've covered a lot. And I think that, you know, we're going to have new listeners. We're going to have people who haven't necessarily gone back and listened to all of our, our gear from the early days. And it's, it's going to be a very cool few weeks. So yeah, if you've been with us from the very get go, thank you. And we're very, very excited about what's coming up. But if you haven't uh, look forward to the next couple of apps, because our little pod has grown, it's developed. It's been something that we've, loved doing 
even just for us to connect as uh, two people, as your hosts. But we just love hanging out with each other, I think. I like hanging out with you, Dom. Absolutely. Talking Excellent. shit. Talking shit. Um, yep. Yeah, but I, I love it. Thank you so much again for teaching me something because, again, my knowledge is limited to films that were made in the 1980s and 1990s and it pretty much stops there. <laughs> well, now you know what pyraticophobia is, folks. I do. So. We do. This is great. Thank you so All much. Right. We'll see you next week. All right, love bees. Bye. Love you. Or stick around for our brick in it. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.